morning, Grace. Our scripture this morning comes from John 10, verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is not a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Glad you're here. This is our third week in this passage. Many of you have been here for most of them. Welcome back. In the first week, my aim was to help you understand and respond to the verse as John's first hears, or rather Jesus' first Hears would have. What was the original context? How would they have understood this and how would they have responded to it? And then last week we looked really particularly at verse 10, what Jesus meant by the abundant life. We saw that ultimately it culminates in the new heavens and the new earth, which incidentally, I, I believe, filled for me initially with the joy of the Lord being in his presence, seeing him face to face as one man sees another and also being in perfect sync with the trout in all the rivers, and I'll play the drums. I guarantee I'm going to be a drummer in the new heavens and the new earth. I'll be like Jason. That wasn't part of the sermon, but this last week as I was thinking, about it, I realized that would probably be true. I hope. This week, another angle still. We're going to consider its implications for leadership within the local church Today, the main question I need to answer from this text and even beyond is what does this passage teach us about how God intends Grace Church to be led? Well, it might not be immediately obvious that this passage answers or provides some of the answer to that question or even is dealing with it at all. I hope to help you to see that it is really good news that it does. Uh, a good a good chunk of this, uh, there's a book that we take all the elders through, or potential elders. It's called The Shepherd Leader. I have a number of copies in my office if you're interested in reading it. Uh, a chunk of the sermon comes from the ideas I first read there, but I've taught it so many times in 
so many ways. I can't remember which of this is his and which are just from my notes. I use my notes, not the book. I uh, just want to be honest. I, I, I'm not consciously quoting anything from the book itself, but certainly uh, I owe Tim Whitmer a debt of gratitude. And if you've read it, you'll hear some of his stuff in this as well. With that, and before we dive in, let me, let me pray. God, thank you that you have made us in such a way that we need to be led. We are a people who are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. Feel it constantly. God, it leads us sometimes because we feel we know better. Sometimes we don't even think about the alternatives. Sometimes we're unaware of where you have called us to go. We're prone to wander by our own wisdom, sometimes without even thinking about it sometimes being deceived by others, sometimes according to our own flesh, but left to our own devices, we will wander away from the path of life. God, you never leave us to our own devices. You you have spoken to us, describing the path of life. You have sent your Son to us, who is the path of life. You continually work in us, those whose hope is in Jesus through your spirit, who convicts us of sin, and makes us aware of our wanderings, and strengthens us to walk to that which the spirit reminds us of is right, according to your word. So thank you that although we are a people who need to be led, you have provided and been a perfect leader to us from the beginning. I pray that we would grow in our appreciation for that this morning, our gratitude for that, in in increased acknowledgement that not only do we need to be led and not only are you the ultimate leader, but also that it's good that you have provided some of your leadership through different means. So help us to see what that looks like and ought to look like and conform ourselves to it, both as leaders and as followers. Help us to love the world as you have made it and called us to. We're going to sing just a few minutes. We are not our own. We belong to the Lord. This is one aspect of that. Please help us to understand it, love it, in order that we may live it on the way to fullness of life. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot of disagreement and confusion today about what constitutes good leadership. I prayed this morning. Many of us have known some of the pain of bad leadership. Some of us have been led well and didn't realize it and felt pain because we didn't come under it. Some of us have defined good leadership on our own terms, and some of us know more of what the Bible says and some less, and it's hard not to... (laughs) We'd have to have our heads buried pretty deep in the sand not to hear all the buzz constantly about political leaders and business leaders making this decision and that and losing millions and billions of dollars through one choice and just all around us, the issue of leadership. Everyone seems to be full of confidence. Just test yourself for this just briefly. I think it's in us too. Everyone seems full of confidence in their assessment of what's wrong with the leadership they're under. There doesn't seem to be any clear agreed-upon standard for what makes a good leader outside of ourselves. Functionally, we're prone to fall into that trap. It's a 
Is it any different within the church? If I were to ask you to describe your understanding of God's design for church leadership, leadership inside this fellowship, what, what would you say? What constitutes good and bad leadership? What makes, makes for a good leader and a bad leader? What does God mean leaders to do or avoid? What's the goal of church leadership, and how do we know all of these things? How confident are you in your answers to those questions, and where do your answers come from? Here's another one. How consistent, if we all answered all those, I went back through and put it on a piece of paper, all the questions, and had you all fill them in and turn them in, and I graded them, and how how closely do you think your answers would be to the other people in this room? I don't know the answer to that, but it fact that I don't is somewhat telling. Well, if we begin, if we are to begin to understand John 10 in terms of its description of Jesus' leadership of his people and its implication for the church today and how that ties into the rest of what God's word says about leadership, we need to go back, back to Genesis. Beginning there, which we'll do, and we'll begin there, but then we'll do a, a quick flyover over the rest of the Bible as well, to get our heads around the backdrop of what Jesus was saying in John 10, what it means for what he said and beyond. The first thing to see in our journey back as we make our way back to Genesis is that God's leadership of his people has always been described as shepherd leadership. That's a really big deal, and I hope to help you to see how big of a deal it is. Let me say that again, and then I'm going to unpack it. The first thing to see in our journey back is that God's leadership of his people has always been, from the beginning, described as shepherd leadership. For instance, Genesis 4, in Genesis 48, in blessing his son Joseph, Jacob calls on the name of the Lord. I bless his son, and I call on the name of the Lord my God, and in so doing refers to him as the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. In this, we see Jacob understood God's leadership to have always been shepherd-like. Likewise, if you've been to a funeral, certainly if you've read the Psalms, but if you've been to a funeral, even if you haven't, you read the familiar words in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, because this is most often read in times of suffering, and it certainly has implications for suffering saints, it can be easy to miss the heart of the passage. Namely, that God leads and comforts his people like the very best shepherd does his sheep. Psalm 80 begins, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Isaiah 40, 10 and 11 says, Behold, the Lord God will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. As I've tried to help you to see many times over many years, those of you who have been here for any length of time have heard a version of this many, many times. The things and relationships that God created and established are not arbitrary. None of them. None of the things God created None of the relationships that he established are arbitrary. What does that mean for this? Well, why did God design sheep as he did? You ever think about that? Why does sheep exist as they do? Needy and vulnerable and prone to wander. 
Well, he did so to teach us a bit about ourselves. I don't mean to be the one to break this to you if you didn't already know, but you too are, and so am I, needy invulnerable and prone to wander. You get stuck in fences and to drink funny stuff and eat things you shouldn't. Well, he did so to teach us a bit about ourselves in order to make room also for the role of shepherd, because something like that needs a particular kind of help and leadership. Why did he do that? He did so in large measure, we see in John 10 and throughout the Bible, to give us clear and visible categories for his own nature and his own leadership of his people. Well, understanding Jesus' description of his leadership in John 10 then, and its implications for us today, begins with the fact that he was continuing something. He was tapping into something that God had established from the beginning. And here it is. Good leadership is shepherd leadership. Well, if that's all we had, that would be really neat. That would provide for us a a good deal of background for the John 10 passage. wouldn't give us a ton necessarily for the implications of church leadership today, but at least it would give us a better backdrop for what Jesus meant when he described his own leadership. But God's word doesn't merely describe God's leadership as shepherd leadership. It also, as you probably know, describes God's appointed leaders as under-shepherds as well. Psalm 77, 20, and very much like it, Isaiah 63, we read, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Some of the first of the leaders that God selected were Moses and Aaron, and God shepherded his people through the shepherd leadership of men like them. Let me say that again. You led your people. This is God. This is Psalm 77 saying, you led. God, you led your people. You shepherded your people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. In other words, you gave shepherds to do some of your shepherding work of your people. Likewise, Psalm, a little bit later in Psalm and 2 Samuel 5, very similar, read this. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. He took a shepherd to be a shepherd. From the from following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob and his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with a skillful hand. David, too, is called a shepherd. His, his leadership, the leadership that God called him to provide for his people, was called shepherd leadership. Second Samuel 7 says, In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word? with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people. The judges as well are referred to as shepherding in their leadership. And in most sweeping terms yet, which is actually also one of the harshest rebukes you find in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 34, God chastised the collective leaders of Israel for their failure to properly shepherd. Just listen to this. You are in leadership or aspire to leadership. Be sobered by these words. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. 
The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, and the lost you have not sought. With force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. You do not want that to be said of your shepherding, of your leadership. But don't miss the fact that in his infinite wisdom, grace, God determined to provide a good deal of his shepherding care through or to his people through human shepherd leaders. You with me? In addition, don't miss the fact that God chose to shepherd his people through his people, knowing that his appointed shepherd leaders were sinners. Moses disobeyed God to the point that he was prevented from Entering the promised land, David committed adultery and even lost a son because of it. And the sin and fate of many of the rest of Israel's leaders is summed up in the Ezekiel 34 passage I just read to you. He knew this. He was not unaware of the fact that he was choosing shepherd leaders who were sinful. Well, again, if that's all we had, that gives us a little bit more help. What to avoid and watch out for, yet the mindset that we're meant to have. Apply John 10 today in the shepherd leadership of Jesus. But that's not all that we have still. Not only did God provide direct shepherding care to his people, and not only did God provide indirect shepherding care through fallen human shepherds, but God as well promised to provide a different kind of shepherd, one who would perfectly shepherd his sheep. Well, in the midst of the rebuke of Israel's leaders for their treacherous shepherding, as Jesus was rebuking shepherds of Israel for their treacherous shepherding in our passage in John 10. In Ezekiel 34, we read of God's promise. So back in Ezekiel, the passage I just read, in addition to, to chastising and rebuking the leaders, we find this promise in verses 22 and 23. It says, I will rescue my flock, though, even though their shepherds have abandoned them to wild beasts to be devoured. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Do you know when Ezekiel prophesied in relation to King David? The key for us to see here, in case it isn't already obvious, is that Ezekiel prophesied afterwards. After David had reigned and died and shepherded. What that means, of course, is that Ezekiel wasn't prophesying about how much better David's future shepherding would be compared to the shepherds of that day. Instead, Ezekiel was looking back on David's good shepherding of God's people to heights and prosperity they had never known before or since and promised that God would send an even greater shepherd than David from the line of David to perfectly care for his sheep, to rescue them and lead them as no human shepherd had been able to do. Now we're starting to see things a little bit clearer, right? See it, Grace? In John 10, 11, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he was claiming to be the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. Jesus was the perfect shepherd from David's line that God promised to send. All by itself, that has significant implications for the church today, right? Jesus did indeed lay his life down to rescue God's flock so we can be saved. And he did indeed live and lead perfectly according to God's perfect plan. Jesus came as the good shepherd, promised 
to lead us from heaven until he returns. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. So what more do we need? That's it, right? Close the Bible. We're done. Jesus, the good shepherd, has come and is shepherding his people. Who would want more than that? Yet once again, there's more. God's ways are not our ways. Just as God's shepherding care didn't end with himself in Old Testament times, even though he certainly shepherded better than any of Israel's leaders, neither did it end with Jesus in New Testament times. He commissioned his apostles to shepherd others as he had shepherded them. It is for that reason that we read Jesus' words in Matthew 10, charging the twelve to go to the lost sheep of Israel, shepherd them. Likewise, at the end of John's gospel, we'll get to it, I don't know when, later, we'll get to it, we find the foundation of what was to come. He says in John 21 to, to Simon Peter, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than anything else? If you do, what did he say? You know answer, I think. Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I do. Feed my lambs. Do you? Do you? And my sheep. Do you love me more? My sheep. The heart of what it meant for Jesus' apostles to carry out the mission Jesus gave them was to call the lost sheep to shepherd them as they came, to be good shepherds of Jesus' flock. Jesus did not merely shepherd the early church from heaven, he continued to do so through human shepherds on earth. Grace, one more time, once more. The question is, did it end then? Did this type of shepherd leadership, this type of shepherding care end with the apostles? It didn't end there either. The disciples and apostles were not the last shepherds that God gave to his people. God has given the church from the time of the end of the apostolic age through now until he returns the office of elder to carry on the shepherding care of his people. In Acts 20, 28, Paul commanded the Ephesian elders to pay careful attention to yourselves. Watch yourselves, take care of yourselves, and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, laid his life down, as Ezekiel promised and as Jesus promised in John 10. Likewise, in 1 Peter 5, 1, Peter commanded, So I exhort the elders among you. Know how that ends? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. In Hebrews 13, we see this again, and I'll come back to that later. From God himself directly, Grace Church, to God through various sinful and inadequate on their own humans, to Jesus, the promised good shepherd, to Jesus' disciples and apostles, to now the office of elder within the church today, the key is God has always cared for his people as a shepherd, and he has always provided a significant measure of that care through human shepherds. So all that sets us up a lot better to consider Jesus' teaching in John 10, at least what it meant on a practical level, both for his shepherding and ours. Book I pointed to earlier, referenced earlier at the beginning, the primary shepherding functions that we see in John 10 are the primary shepherding functions we see throughout the whole Bible. Primary things that God has called his shepherd leaders to do are the primary things that he himself does as the greatest shepherd. And they are these, to know the sheep, to lead the sheep, to feed the sheep, and to protect the sheep. The rest of the Bible tells us a great deal more 
But let's look at what John 10 says about these things as a good start. Shepherds know their sheep. For a shepherd to tend his sheep, he needs to know which sheep are his, and his sheep need to know that he belongs to them. We see this plainly in verses 3 and 4. To the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He knows them, and they know him. And again in verse 16, And I, this is Jesus speaking, have other sheep that are not of this fold. I'll bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. I know that I have more sheep, and they will know that I am their shepherd as well. On a practical level, then, as elders, it is our job to keep careful watch over membership who becomes members, and who doesn't. We're charged to do our best to bring before you only those who give credible professions of faith as you vote for members for membership and seek to remove those who no longer do so from membership quickly. That's, why, that's one of the reasons membership matters. And on a more personal level, Grace, I, I hope you feel this. I hope you experience this. But it means knowing each of you personally as well as possible also It means knowing who you are and living alongside of you well enough to know your joys and your struggles in the Lord. It means understanding your life and your family and your job and your friends and your gifts and your ministries enough to pray for you in specific and loving and heartfelt ways. It means allowing you to know us in those ways as well. I don't know if you know this. I hope you do. But this is why every one of you who are a member and and all of those of you who have been around Grace for a while East, have been put into what we call a shepherding group. You know that? You are. If you don't know that, come talk to me after or one of the elders and we'll tell you more about it. But each one of them are overseen by an elder who is especially charged to know you well. It's impossible to shepherd, shepherd well if we don't know who the genuine sheep of God are and what you are going through in life and ministry. Second, we see in this passage that good, the good, or a good shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, not only knows who his sheep are, but also leads them to where they need to go for fullness of life. Again, in verses 3 and 4, the sheep hear their shepherd's voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Where? To where? When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and they follow him, for they know his voice. Not only do they know his voice, but they listen to his voice. He calls and leads. Grace Jesus tells and shows us where to go for the most satisfying meals and the best drink and the safest places to rest. He loves us and goes before us everywhere the Father calls. His words are perfect and sufficient and his example is complete. In a similar way, godly elders are charged to lead by example. It's consistent throughout the Bible. The requirements are not to be perfect. We're not that, as you know, but to be exemplary. To be able to say with a clean conscience, follow me as I follow Christ. Godly leaders, like a good shepherd, have God's authority to call, God, to call God's people to God's will for God's glory and your good. It is right for us to set a vision for Grace Church as God, God's word charges and God's spirit burdens. There is a unique way that our shepherding work is meant to set the direction, God's direction, for Grace Church. That's why we work hard to be clear on issues so far like eldership and deaconship and membership and discipleship and ministry to kids and families and parents and missions and women's ministry and men's ministry and 
baptism and worship. Again, we really are charged by God to lead. Real authority from God. But we are to do so for your good and God's glory, not our own selfish gain. The first Peter passage I read earlier to you, a portion of it, finishes like this. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How? Exercising authority. It's real authority to be exercised. But don't do so under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, and not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Pray for us in this. That's what we're called to. Third, the next thing to see in John 10 is the way, is, is in the way of functioning as a, the next thing to see in John 10 in the way of functioning as a good shepherd is that Jesus feeds the sheep. He knows the sheep. He leads the sheep where to? To good food. He makes sure they're nourished and well fed. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find good pasture. Jesus feeds his people the best food, Grace. His people will never lack anything we truly need. We saw that as we considered the abundant life. He feeds his people more even than bread. He feeds his people with his word and even his own flesh and blood, as we saw in John 6. That is, he gives all of himself to all who will receive him to be all satisfied forever. Amen? Again, is Amen? <laughs> He didn't, this is good news. Wake up. As elders under Jesus, we too are charged to feed you all well. The primary way that we do that is through teaching and preaching. The primary thing we teach and preach is the word of God. Feeding you anything else may provide some measure of satisfaction for some measure of time. but will always eventually run out. God's word alone satisfies fully and forever. His presence and person alone satisfies fully and forever. This is why we are so careful in choosing the songs we sing and curriculum that we put before you and books and resources. This is why the main type of preaching that you hear at Grace Church is called expositional preaching, book by book, verse by verse, through the Bible, answering four main questions every time. What was the author's original intent? How does that relate to the whole of the book in which he says it? How does that relate to the whole story of God from Genesis to Revelation and all of his plan of redemption? And then how does that apply to us today? How how does the church live this out faithfully today, week after week after week? And this is why we insist when you come to us for counsel through trial, decisions, hardships, counsel you through the word of God. God has given us certain measure of wisdom by living life, but all of that ultimately needs to go through the lens of the Word of God. That's why we encourage you to do the same. When you offer advice and counsel to someone else, may it be from the Word of God. Other resources have some value, to be sure, but only insofar as they are consistent with what God has said in His Word. Finally, perhaps surprisingly, at least it is for me on some level, the aspect of Jesus shepherding, know, lead, feed, the aspect that gets the most attention in John 10, at least the most words, is the protection of his sheep. 
He begins by warning, like Ezekiel 34, of the dangers of bad shepherding, of false shepherds, of those who only pretend to have the good of the sheep in mind, but really are using the sheep for selfish gain. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 1, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, fake shepherds, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In contrast, though, Jesus truly protects his sheep, largely from these imposters, from wolves and robbers and strangers and thieves and anything else that would come to kill and destroy. And so we read in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and safe. Verse 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, verse 15. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And Verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life. I may take it up again. At the cost of his own life, Jesus protected his sheep. He did so ultimately by, he did so by teaching us truth and protecting us from lies. And then ultimately by dying to pay for our sins and protecting us from sin's death that we deserve. In the same way, elders, as elders, we're charged to protect you all. On the highest level, we protect you from false doctrine and division. We protect from false converts and malicious sheep seeking to gain a foothold in membership or leadership. On a more personal level, we work hard to protect you from your own sin and folly each other as well. We mean to walk alongside of you closely enough to know when you stray. This is a big deal. Why? One of the reasons knowing is so important, knowing you is so important, is because you can hide a lot of stuff pretty easily. We don't walk closely enough to know when you stray, loving you enough that you want us to be near you. You're not just annoyed that we're following you around. Closely enough to know when we stri- when you stray, lovingly enough that you want us there, wisely enough that we have something to offer from the Lord, and consistently enough to walk with you all the way through repentance and restoration. We don't mean to leave you through any portion of it. Our protection is always first in prayer for you, and then in loving words of correction and calling you back onto God's path. Grace, we know as elders sit down with any one of us, we know very well that we do not do all these things perfectly. But God knew that as well when he called us into the, this role. On our best days, we echo Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11.1, or recalled his readers to follow him as he followed Christ. Most days, truly, it's our joy to point you to Jesus and walk with you towards him, come what may. And when we act in ways that are less than good shepherdly, We mean to be quick to model humility and love for the wounds of a friend as you help us to see that and swift repentance. Well, having considered what all of this means for leadership within the church, and particularly the kind of leadership that elders are called to, I want to close with a few simple words on what all of this means for you. In other words, we're right to ask, given what makes for a good shepherd leader, for a good shepherd leader, given the fact that we're right to ask that, or we're right to ask in light of that, what are the implications then for the sheep? 
That's what shepherd leaders are meant to do under God. Well, what are the sheep meant to do? Members, you all. One answer or quick parts. Here's the answer. Wherever you find a command for someone toward you, I think you should do something to help yourself remember this. Usually that would mean writing this down. And then talk about this this week in DG. Here's the principle. Try to get this. Try to let this get deep in you. Where you have found a command for someone towards you, you have also found a command for you. That That's not maybe as obvious as it should be. But let me say it a couple of different ways. If someone is commanded to love you, if God commands someone to love you, implicitly within that, you are commanded to receive their love. With me, does that make sense? Let me give you another example. If if someone is commanded to confess their sins, like commanded to confess their sins to one another, if someone is commanded to confess their sins to you, you have an implicit command to prayerfully listen. Remind them of the gospel. Where someone has a command towards you, you have an implicit command every time in response to it. And so therefore, if elders are commanded by God to know you, lead you, feed you, and protect you, you are commanded to be known, be led, be fed, and be protected. I want to talk about each of those really briefly. Grace, on the most basic levels, sheep need to be known. You need to be known. On the most basic level, prioritize becoming a member of Grace Church. You are one, functioning most fully as one. Be consistent and active in your participation. Be here. You need to be known. God knows you perfectly. He he invites us, Jesus says, to knowing him and one another as Father and Son and Spirit know eternally each other. That's a deep type of knowledge. You need to be known. We're commanded to know you. Help us to know you. Consistent and active in your participation at Grace Church. DGs, discipleship groups, even more than giving you more information. We hope you learn more facts and knowledge and insight about God and his will for your life. But even more than giving you new information are intended to help you be known through regular contact with your elders and other members. On a deeper level still, Grace, be honest. Don't keep your joys to yourself. Don't keep your struggles to yourself. Don't walk in secret sin. Don't be slow to share your needs. Make your prayer requests known early and often. Be quick to invite us, those charged to know you, into your hobbies and work and families and lives. Help us to know you so that we can best shepherd you. The fact that we're commanded to shepherd you means you need that. And so live your life in such a way that seeks that and receives that for God's glory and your good. Second, sheep need to be led. Everyone is a leader and some senses and some contexts, everyone. And we need, as elders, your input to be the best, the best leaders that we can be. All metaphors break down to some extent. The fact that God has given us under Christ to lead you does not mean you can't lead us in certain ways as well and that you can't help shape our leadership for you. But at the same time, as we've seen, God has charged elders with a particular kind of leadership within his church, which means that you are charged to have a particular kind of followership. It's an actual word, for real. Learn learn followership. You have books upon books at Barnes & Noble and wherever on 
good leadership, there are there are not many on good followership. I read one earlier this year. Love to loan it out to some of you if you'd like to borrow. Practically, Grace, be in prayer. Be in prayer for us to lead in God's ways and for God's purposes and for yourself to be glad to come under that leadership. Enjoy. Ask good questions. Share good insight that we might lead best and then be good followers. Be eager to be led by us and make it easy for us to lead, not because we're perfect, but because this is God's design for his people. Ask God to give you a disposition of eagerness to follow us as we follow Christ. Third, almost done. Sheep need to be fed. Listen carefully as one of us exposits the word of God each week. This means being here each week. If you're going to do that, you have to be here. Be here week after week. Working to grow, to be an expositional listener. If we are right to give you expositional sermons, you are right to learn to be expositional listeners. I've got a book on that too, if you need one. We've got several copies. Prepare well to listen well. To listen as carefully as you can and apply the word of God as quickly as you can, whenever the word of God is faithfully preached. Likewise, make it a priority to take in the teaching we offer here. Nobody can come to everything, but we don't have a lot. We're careful to give you the best cuts of meat. We think of ourselves as Bogo de Chao of churches here. I don't think we've ever said that, I, but I think of that. Actually, I just think of Bogo de Chao, but, <laughs> but that, that's, you know, that's a way to frame. All right, never mind. Likewise, make it a priority to take in the teaching we offer here. We're careful to give you the best cuts of meat, and so you would do well to avail yourselves of it when it is offered. Come to Berea. John John did a great job this week, and Mike previous week, and Matt and Mark are are teaching consistently. They're, They're giving us good stuff. You need sound doctrine. You need to eat it. There's so many things out there that are just, it's like eating, you know, pixie sticks. You ever eaten a pixie stick? You know, it's kind of cool for about half a second. And then you're like, what did I just do to myself? Unfortunately, that's what most stuff out there in the name of Christian literature is. But but there's good stuff, too. And we, we make it a priority to give you good stuff. Come come to Berea. Continue pressing in on sound doctrine throughout the week. Be, make G2G a priority to better learn how to love and lead your family. You need to be fed. Study on your own and humbly consider what you find in light of we share. Be eager to have a bent towards trusting God and therein trusting us to serve you good meals. I'm so thankful that so many of you are. I, I, I just, in each of these, you guys are awesome. You make our jobs easy in so many ways. Lastly, sheep need to be protected. I, I, maybe you don't like to hear this. Maybe you don't want to know this, but you're vulnerable and you need protection and you're goofy and you make dumb choices. So do I. We need protection. Make it easy for us to protect you. Be eager to share with us things going on in your life, the, the, the temptations that you experience, the books that you're finding interesting, the music and theological resources that you're taking in. Let us help you to learn to discern between good and bad food, between good and bad doctrine. It's our joy to help you understand what you're dealing with and how to make the best use of it. Consider carefully the documents we put out to clarify certain doctrines and practices at Grace Church. Be grateful for the care we put into selecting the things we put before you week after week and year after year. We are enthusi- enthusiastically committed 
to guarding the purity and unity of Grace Church. Work hard alongside of us to help you do that well and to help us do that well. All of that is maybe best summed up in Hebrews 13, 17. Your role in being shepherded well. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For, why? God's design, they are keeping. We are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. We know that. It weighs heavily on us. Let them do this, and you all do this so well. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Again, Grace Church, this is God's design for our good. God has shepherded his people from the beginning, and he has done so often through his people. Jesus modeled shepherd leadership perfectly, and according to his sovereign grace and wisdom, commissioned apostles and then elders to shepherd his flock in kind. He did so not because he needed our help or had some inadequacy that we could fulfill, but because he loves us and he means to teach us humility and because he is immeasurably kind to invite us into his saving and sanctifying work. None of us have ever led or followed perfectly, which is why he laid his life down for us. And it is also why he sent his spirit to empower us for all that God requires of us. So let us thank God, therefore, for being the good shepherd eternally, for providing human shepherds as one means of caring well for us, and for granting us the privilege of being known and led and fed and protected in all the ways we need.